Good evening and welcome to tonight's show. Tonight, we're going to be talking about getting higher end weddings and how to book those type of events with Umang Patel. We're going to be jumping right back to that in just a couple of minutes. So get your pens out because we're going to be talking how to get those weddings. DJ Event Planner will change the way you manage and run your business. Streamline all of your procedures and software into one easy-to-manage system. DJ Event Planner, the ultimate online planning tool. Welcome to another week here on DJN TV, where we're going to be going through and talking to DJs from around the country. And tonight, my guest is Umang. Good evening, Umang. Good evening, John. Hey, high-end weddings. We're going to be talking and digging into that in, in such a little bit tonight. So we got a lot of a lot of area to kind of cover. Uh, before I get into that, though, gang, if you guys pop out to Facebook.com slash let's see, John Young MN. That's my personal Facebook page. On that, you're going to see a video and a link for something cool we're doing with the convention series this week. Go there, and you'll be, after the show's over, go there, facebook.com slash johnyoungmn, and you're going to find out a cool thing there for the DJ and TV Insider area, how you can check that out. Okay, I want to make sure I got that in before I forgot. <laughs> yeah. So, Umang, uh, when when you got into the, the business, you were kind of talking a little bit about some of the types of weddings you were getting into, and... You were at a different level than what most of us were getting into when we first started the DJ uh, arena. And you basically have kind of, it sounds like, got in and stayed in and continued to strive for, for being into that high-end wedding world. Kind of tell us, how did you jump there instead of doing like typical DJs do where we are kind of jumping, setting that bar so low? Well, I guess I can start by giving you a little background. Uh, I started at $500 for my very first wedding that I ever DJed. Uh, that was back in 2005, I believe. Okay. Um, and I quickly raised about $1,200 reception. I was sitting there for many years, probably like five years. Um, and then I started raising my rates and, and realizing that, you know, uh, I'm serving a very particular niche with my business. Um, we mostly do Indian weddings. And so, you know, Indian weddings, if you've ever been to one or if you have a friend that's hosted one, uh, they can be pretty large uh, celebrations and, you know, they definitely like to go all out. So, um, you know, I gradually raised my rates from a 1200 uh, up to 3000 And now today we don't do any events below $5,000. So we have a $5,000 minimum. And on average, we're just shy of $8,500 for a booking. Um, and that booking can be over two days, um, you know, including the rehearsal or in Indian weddings, we have this thing called the Sangeet night. Um, it's essentially dance celebration and then the next day uh, for the whole wedding day. So that's kind of where we're at right now. Um, and, you know, I can definitely talk about some of the steps that we've taken to uh, go from, you know, $500 and $1,200 all the way up to $3,000, $5,000 and beyond. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, and we'll we'll definitely definitely kind of dig into that. As you were, I, I want to talk about before we get into the specifics of. Let's talk about fear. We just just left. I did an interview. The one you guys can watch is Jonathan Simmons and I. We, he and I did an interview, and we talked. We kind of wrapped it up talking about when you're changing your company, when you're changing things. There's a fear involved. How did you handle that when you went from five to twelve hundred dollars, and and you're now asking for a higher dollar amount? How did you handle that that little voice that says that oh people may not buy from you anymore? Well, I think fear is always going to be a factor, but you get used to it over time. Uh, when I started DJing, I was 14 years old. I did my first wedding at 15. And so you can imagine trying to sell to a couple and, you know, they finally meet you in person and they realize there's some little kid <laughs> that's trying to sell them on a wedding reception. Uh, you know, as a kid, I was definitely, you know, a little worried about how they would react and whatnot. But I think you end up doubling down on your skill set. You double down on your professionalism and, really providing as much value as you can to your clients and, and trying to prove that you know what you're talking about. Um, and I think over time, you know, the first wedding, you know, maybe I did for 500, second one I did for 700. And then um, as I got more referrals, I built confidence. Um, but I think, I think really just building relationships with people and just being human, you know, uh, treating them like friends, uh, but, you know, still understanding the responsibility that you've taken as their disc jockey and master of ceremonies. Um, very seriously, you know, if you take that responsibility seriously, then, uh, over time you, you build, you know, kind of this, uh, you know, you, you become used to that fear and, uh, you embrace that and, and see it as a challenge instead of something to run away from. That's debilitating. Yeah, for sure. You started to talk about, and you were headed that direction, but you never quite got there. Basically talking about that you were, you're prepared when you were meeting, meeting with people and you were talking to them, you upped your game and your performance, what have you, but you were preparing. You weren't just basically coming in off the cuff when you were meeting with these, these couples as you continued to raise your prices. Absolutely. Um, I do a lot of preparation before I go into a meeting, even today. Um, I think it would be stupid not to research your clients, uh, before meeting them, especially in this day and age, um, you know, finding their Facebook, Instagram, Sure, some people might say, oh, it sounds like you're stalking your clients, but they're doing the same thing back to you. And I think <laughs> yeah. it's it's important to know what you're going into, uh, doing your research so that you can get to the conversations. When you do have your meeting, you can get to those conversations where you really get to learn more about them and uh, figure out what they care about and see how you can personalize their wedding uh, and, and you know create those moments that they're going to remember for the rest of their lives. Cool. Very cool. Um Let's let's continue continue on then. Uh, as you as you increased your your rates and such, were you doing a lot of different things to add more things to your show, or what was your impetus just to raise those rates as you went along? Sure. Um, you know, when I started, I thought that I would have to rationalize every charge to a client. You know, I'll tell you, like my first sales pitch to a client was that, hey, you know, we rent our sound equipment that costs us a certain amount of money. Yep. Mm -hmm. Music costs a certain amount of money. It was, it was definitely like a cost based sales approach. Nice. Um, and that was fine. You know, we got the clients that we did and they paid what they did. Um, but really to tap into the higher end market, um, a lot of that stuff doesn't matter. Um, you know, sure. We do lighting and we, we don't do photo booths. We don't do moving heads. We don't do a lot of the stuff that larger DJ companies do. Mm -hmm. uh, most of our pricing comes from just doing the, you know, DJ services and masters of ceremony, um, along with uplighting and, you know, gobos and some basic lighting effects. But it's just the, you know, your client is really looking for this end result. They see your web 
they see the photos that you do the video clips, um, maybe seeing you at another event. Um, at the end of the day, they have a vision for their wedding and they want you to realize that vision. Um, they don't, they're not necessarily checking the boxes of, Hey, I need a photo booth and this and that, whatever else. And so as I raised the rates, um, it wasn't really correlated to the specific services we were offering. Um, it was more of a promise that when they hire us, they're going to get a particular outcome. They're going to, they're going to get a DJ that is on top of things, easy to reach. Um, that's going to really capture the attention of their guests and, you know, uh, create these moments for them uh, and not make the show about the DJ. So, you know, I think we really just focused in on our clients and really focused on the trust factor. That, that was like our biggest selling point is we're, we're the most trusted name in Indian wedding entertainment. Sure, there's, there's DJs that do larger shows than us, um, but they can trust us to have their best interest in mind. And, and that's something that people are willing to pay for. Is that something that you, you kind of branded or not brand, I don't want to say branded, but that you used in your marketing materials that basically that became kind of your moniker that you were the most trusted in that, or is that just something that has, that came from time and um, experience or performances where people now branded you as the trusting the company to trust? Um, I think it's a little bit of both. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, we, we definitely tried to do research into what our satisfied clients liked most about us. Um, in fact, when we send a survey out to our clients after the event, we ask them what, what is, if there's one thing they like the most about us, you know, why did they hire us? Um, and, and that really gives us a better sense of their decision-making process and what they care about. Um, so that's been helpful. Um, and yeah, in general, just the, the trust factor, I think uh, it, it does come down to branding a bit. Um, I'll tell you like when I send stuff to my clients, um, I'll, I'll cherry pick like the best uh, events that we've done that create a certain emotional response. When you look at those photos, when you look at those videos, um, I think that's just basic branding. Um, you're trying to create this, um, this image of something that people desire. And, you know, but when they see an image of a beautifully decorated room with perfect lighting, um, even if that's not exactly what they're going to do for their own wedding, that kind of sets the bar for the quality standard that our company offers. Um, and that kind of translates to, you know, it's a halo effect. If, if everything you're doing is of that quality standard, then they assume that your DJ, your MC, skills, all, all of those things will also fall in line with that. So it's just the feeling that they get when they look at your materials. Hmm. Yeah. They're, they're, I'm just trying to, was trying to think about how you, how do you tie then your materials into showing that outcome? Cause you mentioned earlier about, it was really about the outcome that you, is what you were selling. That was a, you were able to charge more because of that. How are you able to convey those things uh, in, in the materials that you're handing out or the websites and such? Yeah, so I think this is actually one of the most interesting things that, uh, well, at least I think it's the most interesting thing that a lot of DJs do wrong. Um, so if you look at the typical sales cycle, your client contacts you through your website or through whatever other means. Um, and then typically, I know a lot of DJs, they'll go for a phone call or a meeting, and then they'll get some more information from the clients. Um, and in this meeting, the challenge is that if you are not a middle of the road DJ, um, you have to now bridge the gap between what the average DJ does, which is on paper the same thing you do. They provide music, yep. they provide MC services, they provide lighting. Um, and now you have to bridge the gap between that 800, 1200, whatever dollar DJ to what you're offering and what the difference is in terms of quality. Uh, but, you know, quality is not something you can easily explain just by saying the magic words. You know, it's, it's just not, it doesn't work that way. And I see DJs all the time. They go in and they say, hey, we're super professional. We carry backups. We, you know, have this awesome team. We care about you. They say all this stuff. And if you really record that conversation and look back at it, 
uh, you hear the word we so many times. They're sure. talking about themselves the whole time. Um, and, you know, how do you explain that difference to your client without talking about yourself? Um, I think there's some things I do in my sales process. Like, for example, if I want to show my clients I'm professional and I'm punctual, I will send them a calendar invite uh, for a specific time to mm -hmm. talk. And I will call them on the dot, not a minute earlier, not a minute later. Um, and then I will schedule a follow-up, you know, after our conversation, I'll, I'll say, I'm going to send you an estimate, you know, by the end of today and by the end of the like, close of business. And I will send it to them before 5 PM. And then in that email, I'll ask, or not even an email in the phone call, I'll ask when's a good time to follow up with you. Sure. Can we do next Tuesday? Guess when I send them an email, you know, Tuesday, uh, they have an email from me. And so that you, you're developing this cadence of, you know, you're, pro you're making small promises to them and then you're delivering on those promises. And when you do, even though that seems super, like, you know, it seems like a small thing, um, it actually, you know, obviously they're picking up on these things, you're building with your clients. Um, and so those are the kinds of things. And then, you know, obviously when you're talking to your clients, getting to know them, understanding their story, you know, if you really are a DJ that claims to personalize events for them, then, you know, asking them the right questions, asking them what other weddings they've been to and what they liked from those, what they didn't. Um, building off of that, maybe digging, digging a little deeper into different stories, um, telling stories from other couples. Um, you know, I, I do that a lot. Instead of saying, hey, you know, we do all these unique things, I'd rather just show them. I would say, hey, you know, we had this couple and, you know, the, the groom was in the Marines and he just came back from deployment. And so the bride wanted to set up a surprise for him and here's what we did. Mm -hmm. And so they can see your creativity and your commitment to your clients just through your work. Um, instead of you talking about what you do, you'd show how you've done it and, and why you do it. Among, we're going to take a quick little break here. When we come back, I want you to talk about when you were just used the words you were going to show them. I want to dig into that exactly how you are conveying that, that visual that you used specifically in that example with the, the um, uh, military situation. So we'll be right back, gang. Thank you guys for being with us tonight. We are talking about booking higher end weddings and how to move from where you were to where you want to be. I think that's a good way to describe it, isn't it? That's great. I, I think that's that is, and we're going through some really in depth stuff. So before the break, uh, you're you're talking about um, about how you showed the couple in that consultation that 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 time of meeting, and you mentioned, of course, that uh, you're using examples from others and as you're conveying the messages to make your your uh, pitch and such. How are you showing them? Is this something that you have a presentation? Kind of go through what that's like. Absolutely. Uh, so in the particular example I gave before the break, uh, the groom was in the Marines and he had just come back from his deployment. And the bride had this surprise where during cocktail hour, she wanted to create you know, a Marine tribute for him. And so we had set that up by using red, white, and blue uplighting for the three sections of the room. Uh, we've done some gobos. And so... Typically when I'm talking to clients, I'm showing them photos and then I'm telling the story behind the photo. 
So it's not just here's some work that we've done, but we kind of explain to them the meaning behind the work and so that they can kind of get a deeper sense of, you know, we're not just doing uplighting, we're creating experiences, we're creating moments for people. Um, there's emotion involved. There's, you know, there's a story behind this. Um, and it also gives us a chance to talk about our actual work, um, you know, even in terms of, you know, the end effect of the lighting, we can kind of compare that and say, okay, you know, typically, like, like one example I always give my clients is that, you know, when they talk to other DJs, they add uplighting as a line item in their contracts and yep. they quote it. Um, well, how do they even know you need uplighting if they don't know which venue you're at? Or even if they do know the venue, you know, some rooms, they have windows and it's daytime, it's not a good recommendation. And so as soon as they start seeing that there's these knowledge gaps, you know, there's things that they don't, they might not have known before. And you're, you're starting to expose those. Um, that really builds your expertise as a DJ or, you know, lighting specialist. And, um, you know, and at the same time, they realize that there's a lot that they don't know. And, um, you know, by not hiring you, they may never know yeah. uh, that, that they haven't learned from other DJs. And so that builds rapport with the client and that establishes you as an expert. So you become irre irreplaceable at that point. So. So we're going to, and I, I hate to do this, but we're going to jump back actually in this, in the process, yeah. because one of the big struggles DJs have is getting that time to meet that time to show them pictures. Yeah. That's, that's huge in this day and age. And you're, you're a younger guy and you're probably running into the same thing that some of the 20 somethings we're working with, they don't want a phone call. They don't want to, how, how are you handling that situation from the inquiry when they're like, yeah, can I have a price? Absolutely. Uh, I'm really glad you asked that question, actually, because I think that's probably something that people struggle with the most in this day and age. Um, so especially with millennials, first, you have to understand where they're coming from. You know, they're probably at work, um, not available to take a call at the moment or, you know, go into a meeting. Um, I think asking somebody to meet in person without them having no pretty ask because it's time time for the meeting uh, especially we if they're evaluating up, we broke up there Eubank, let's jump let's jump back um jump back a little bit um when you when you're asking for or you ask to the call and then oh. you kind of broke up oh yeah so you know they might be at work when you're calling them um but in addition to that uh asking for a meeting is a big ask because they may be busy um you know it, it takes time to go to your office and come back and especially if they're evaluating multiple DJs and they don't know much about you. Yep. Uh, you have to give them a reason to want to contact you and to learn more. Uh, so, you know, that's step one is just, just giving them a good reason to, you know, and I think um, respecting the medium. So like, let's say they contact you on Facebook, then the important part here is having an actual conversation and getting information from your clients. Mm -hmm. um, it doesn't matter as much how you do that these days. I, I think, you know, obviously face to face is nice, that's not possible. Even through a Facebook message, you could ask a few quick questions um, and kind of, you know, every company will have a different way of hooking that client to want to know more. Uh, but that's step one. Uh, from there, I think uh, a lot of DJs overwhelm their clients with information. Uh, you know, they'll send like a 10 page PDF or they'll go in and they'll just like talk their heads off and yep. the client, they've lost their clients at that point. Um, so instead, my technique is to what I alluded to earlier is kind of creating these knowledge gaps for your client where they realize they don't know everything um, and they might need you to fill in those gaps. And, and that's really powerful. Um, and then finally, I would say make the most out of your follow-ups. Uh, I hate seeing follow-ups where people email and say, Hey, just circling back. How are you? Know, are you still interested? Um, don't do that. <laughs> you know, yeah. um, you should be adding value every time you have an interaction with them. Maybe send them, then send them an email and, you know, maybe you had uh, like 
one question I ask sometimes in consultations is, do you have any pets? You know, that kind of thing. And we, we've had weddings where we've had like the dog be the ring barrier. Yeah. And so uh, uh, the ring barrier, excuse me. And so we'll, we'll, um, I'll send photos of that wedding um, by email and say, Hey, I was just thinking about you guys. We just did this wedding uh, where, you know, Casper was the ring bearer. Mm. Uh, and we have a picture of a little puppy. Um, and so that's super personal. Um, it adds value by showing them that, you know, well, here's an idea that you can use for a wedding, but it also implies that we're creative enough to come up with new ideas and be kind of that expert consultant for them and, and come up with something new. So, um, so that's the other thing, you know, email is great to follow up with that. If you don't have their email address, let's say they go to your contact form and don't fill it out or something, or, or for whatever reason, there's other things you can do. Like Facebook has uh, these tracking pixels you can use yep. uh, where you can basically run ads uh, on visitors that have left your website. Uh, so there's all these different you know, tools you can use to kind of increase the number of interactions you have with your client without actually having a meeting. And so I think the way we do business is changing and we're going to have to adapt to that. Have you found one methodology of communication short of face-to-face -face or phone, really a, a digital communication between Facebook messenger, uh, cell phone, text, email. Have you found one that has been stronger or I shouldn't say more preferred maybe with the uh, couples you work with? Um, I think, I don't know if there's one clear winner. Um, I'll say the two that I use the most outside of email and, um, you know, face-to-face -face and phone calls. Uh, two I use the most, uh, Facebook Messenger. Um, I, everybody's on Facebook and uh, a lot of people are on Messenger, so that's easy. Um, but if I have their phone number, I'll text, you know, I have brides sometimes that text me like pictures of their wedding dress and they're like, hey, what do you think of this? And, you know, it's just building that relationship. It's that, you know, I, I'm a trusted consultant to them and, you know, a professional, uh, but I'm also their friend and I'm, I'm there to help them through a lot of things that they're going through for their wedding. Um, and so I think just, you know, starting that conversation, um, there's a guy out of Philadelphia named Chris Marks uh, that I'm at one of these conferences and he's really, really good at just, you know, shooting brides, short texts to engage them. And, uh, and they, his clients love him. And, you know, I, I think it, there's definitely a level of finesse to being able to do that well. Um, but I think that's something you can develop over time. Hmm. Yeah. That, that's, uh, that, that communication. I mean, we've hit some of the the big hot issues for for DJs and such here as we've been going between the getting there, communicating with them, and how how to move forward. I um, think also DJs um, sometimes they shy away from that because it's hard to keep track of all these different channels. You know, you have messages in all these different places. Um, honestly, I think that's really not your client's problem. That's your problem. Mm -hmm. And uh, if you're doing high end, like really high end events, you're getting paid enough to kind of piece together the puzzle later. So. And Google yeah. Docs is a great thing because you can create a doc for that one and copy paste, copy paste, and you're done. Exactly. That's you know, the, yeah, as you say, it's your problem. It's not their problem. You do mm -hmm. what they want to do. Uh, let's talk marketing a little bit. Specifically, when you're you're working with a client who who is interested in hiring someone at the level that you are and the rates that you're charging, they've got the the interest in it and they've got the financial capability to hire that type of service. How are you? able to to identify that type of client so you're putting your your efforts into the right area instead of having a lot of suspects you've got prospects that's a great question um one of the biggest indicators for me is actually looking at the venue that they've chosen um i know it's not always right but um you know a majority of the times it, it, there is some correlation there you know we work at the hiltons and the hyatts of our city very often um, there's a couple other venues that we frequent. And so when we see certain venues or we see certain 
you know, leads come in through a certain uh, vendor that has recommended us, mm-hmm. uh, then we definitely prioritize those as, you know, hot leads, uh, people that are more likely to book us. Um, beyond that, I think during our initial consultation, I give them pricing upfront. Uh, so my promise to them uh, when I first email them is, hey, we're going to get on a quick call. It's going to be 15 minutes and we're going to tell you what our pricing is on that phone call. And so, uh, of course, we do follow up with the written proposal, but um, I want to gauge their reaction to our price. And you know, <laughs> if you heard that <gasps> on the other end of the line, you kind of know where you're going. <laughs> so that tells me a lot as well. You know? Exactly. <laughs> um, I think those are the two big things. Um, of course, there's a bunch. I, I don't actually, you know, for, for I'm all about experimenting and trying different things. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of research, I've tried in the past, uh, there's tools like, uh, LinkedIn sales navigator. Uh, I think there's a, a Gmail extension where you can look at their email address and see where they work, what they do, uh, where they've gone to school. Um, but, uh, and, and those things are great to know just to see if they're like into a particular sports team or who else they know. Uh, but I don't really discriminate on, you know, saying, okay, this person is a doctor, so they might have more money. Um, that's not always the case. You know, sometimes yep. people just prioritize entertainment more or less than others. So, um, you know, I'd be careful of those kinds of things. We've got a few questions that have been piling, kind of backing up here. So I want to get to a couple of those and then we can, we'll continue on here talking. Um, cause I want to kind of a, a change of year coming. Um, somebody was asking, uh, you mentioned of course, early on that some of the weddings are multiple day events. I mean, how long do you typically, are you at the venue or kind of walk us through one of these larger events of where you need to be, you know, the, the week of what have you of the event? Definitely. Um, so we travel a lot for the weddings that we do. Um, a typical Indian wedding, uh, we're usually involved for one to two days. Um, the, the, usually, it's, let's say it's a Friday and Saturday wedding. Then Friday evening, they have uh, the Indian equivalent of a rehearsal dinner. Um, it's called a Sangeet night. Uh, it's usually a night of performances and dancing. Um, so it's, it's kind of like a wedding reception almost, but it's a little less formal. Um, so we usually load in either... If it's local, we'll load in, in like around noon and then we'll uh, spend a couple hours setting up, making sure everything looks good. And then we'll have a couple hours just until the event starts. And um, so that's local. If it's out of town, um, if it's more than, let's say, two or three hours away, we usually try to get in the night before. And so, you know, we'll get in Thursday evening and then we'll spend all of Friday setting up and uh, ready for the event. And then the next day, Saturday, um, you know, Indian weddings, they typically have a ceremony. Uh, before the ceremony, Indian weddings have this outdoor parade element, which is really cool. It's called a barat. Um, so that usually starts about 30 to 45 minutes before the wedding ceremony. And um, we have a, a setup, like a portable setup on a pickup truck that we set up for that. Nice. Um, so that, you know, depending on, and, and it'll vary. Some people will have weddings in the morning. Some people will do afternoon and then just go back to back from wedding ceremony to cocktail hour to reception. Uh, but yeah, that's typically Saturday. And then, uh, we strike right after the event. And then if it's local, we're back home that evening. If it's out of town, usually it's the next afternoon we'll, we'll end up heading back. So that's a typical wedding weekend. Uh, some of the ones we've done are only a single day. Um, it's pretty rare for us to do three days, uh, just because, you know, hiring a DJ for all three days gets pretty pricey. So how long did the, the actual on Saturday night when you're actually doing the dance side of it, how long does that dance last typically? Uh, typically we'll start dance music around 9.30 ish and then 9.30, 10 PM and then go till midnight or 1 AM. Okay. Uh, uh, it depends on the crowd. It's usually anywhere from three to four hours. Okay. Uh, 
The reason I ask is because um, I, I, I've only, in my 30 years, I've only done one uh, Indian wedding. And it started at 9.30, and by 11 o'clock, they were said it was going to be over at 11. And it was 9.30, the floor was full, and it was crazy, chaos, upbeat dance music. <laughs> and then and then at 11 o'clock, it was like the, the uh, bride and groom uh, did a little thing at the at 11 o'clock, and everyone was happy, and they... Hugs and everyone went home. It's like I've just had an experience such a thing before. It was a, it was a beautiful, uh, fun night. I enjoyed it. But yeah, it also depends on which region in India people are from. Because okay. northern India, they they tend to party really hard, and then South Indians, uh, they do, but maybe not. They don't drink as much, I guess. Mm. So um, you know, you'll you'll experience different dynamics yeah. based on that. Hmm. Very interesting. A new a new area for a lot of us for sure. Um, yeah. Let's see. Uh, you mentioned uh, uh, texting. If you're going to be texting with a potential client, is texting something you would use as questioning in the sales process, or is texting something you'd only really allow them to do after they booked with you? Um, I don't see it as a reason to restrict uh, communications. If they want to text me for the initial contact, that's fine. Um, I usually, you know, my rule is that there has to be two-way communication, whatever means, uh, whatever medium you're going to use. Um, I need to know a little bit more about them to really be able to provide something personal. Um, so usually most of my consultations are over the phone. Uh, we do a lot of out-of-town weddings. So mm-hmm. uh, I think probably about 90% of people will agree to a phone call if it's 15 minutes. And again, I talked about it earlier, but creating a, you know, making a series of promises and then delivering on those. So if I tell them it's going to be 15 minutes and I tell them I'm giving them pricing, I better do you those better things. do it. Yeah, that's important. <laughs> Umang, uh, people are wondering about website. Let's let's do the contact information and where they can go find out some some website links. Let's do that right now, and then we've got a couple more questions, and then we'll wrap things up. Awesome, definitely. Um, so, interestingly, uh, for the DJ side, I have cut down a lot on events. My full time gig right now is actually Cloverbook, uh, which is an online booking platform, um, and so. We actually only do events by referral now. We actually took down our website. Uh, oh, okay. it, I'll give you my website, but it's uh, you, there's nothing there. It's masalaent.com. Um, however, uh, I put that in the chat here in YouTube. Will it, will uh, it allow you to do that? Oh, there you go. Um, and then the current product company I'm working on is Cloverbook. And so if you want to contact me, um, you can email me just at my first name at cloverbook.com, and I'm happy to take any of these additional questions offline and, um, yeah. you know, chat with people. I'm just uh, just making those go live, and I'm going to put those over on the Facebook chat also so you guys can follow those. Good. They all pasted up. Yay. Oh, perfect. Um, I will give uh, – let's see. I do have one page open on my uh, Masala ANT website. Uh which I will share with you guys. This is essentially what I send after a client has inquired with us and I've talked to them. So it's almost like an electronic brochure. Um, none of my competitors in my local market have seen this. So, you know, please be <laughs> respectful of that. But, um, you know, that's what I send to kind of differentiate and show how we're different from our competitors and why we do what we do. So, so for those of you watching this after the fact, you're not going to get this link because this one we're going to leave just in this live chat. And if you're watching on Facebook, I'm not going to post it over there because we're going to respect that. Those of you who are watching live can go to YouTube right now and you can see it in a live chat and that then it goes away. So <laughs> that way we won't have to worry about the competitor side. It's only here if you're watching. Exclusive. It's an exclusive <laughs> I like it. for being live. So. 
Um, so, so if you were going to give some advice to someone who is, is wanting to grow their business and, and expand and become basically someone who can charge a higher dollar in their, their area, what, where would you recommend as a starting point for them to be able to make that jump to a higher level? That's a great question. Um, I think, I think the first thing you should do if you're already DJing events is to talk to your past clients. And I think, so I come from this like uh, background of music and DJing and events, but also uh, from software and user research and all that. And, and one of the most important things to understand is what your customers care about, how they speak. Uh, I think the biggest game changer for me is learning how to speak bride, uh, essentially how to say things that appeal to brides and what they care about. And so um, I think one of the most impactful things for me has been to just help friends of mine. You know, I'm 28 right now. So like a lot of my friends are getting married. Yeah. Um, just ask them about how their wedding planning is going and try to learn more about how maybe help them find a DJ uh, and in f helping them find a DJ, let them do most of the talking, talking back how they feel about a certain DJ and just observe. And, you know, just from that alone, uh, you'll get a really good sense of what they care about, um, what they prioritize. And then I think testing, I think a lot of, another thing that a lot of people are just afraid to do is test new ideas. Um, you can always raise your rates and then drop them again. You know, it's it, it, maybe that you lost like one or two leads. Uh, it's not a big deal. You know, definitely try things out. Um, but I think a lot of people just are afraid to try it. They think that they're going to lose a lot of business by doing so. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. That's, that's obviously the big the big fear is, oh my gosh, I'm not going to be able to book anything anymore. <laughs> they don't even, you know, you can't ever, you'll never hit a home run if you don't get up to bat. And then there are so many that don't Absolutely. get up to bat. All right. We're going to wrap things up. Uh, that was some great information, some good, good discussion and good thoughts. And thank you guys for being with us tonight. There was some, there's some good stuff there. Uh, again, the uh, contact information's in the chat here for the YouTube. If you guys want to grab that and uh, check that. I wanted to bounce. I had to refresh the Facebook page. I wanted to make sure that there wasn't any questions I missed there. Okay. Oh yes, uh, video, video in your in uh, when you're when you're meeting with the, since you a lot of your weddings are out of town or you're you're traveling. Do you utilize video quite a bit when you're planning and and chatting with couples? Um, I haven't done much yet, but I know a lot of other high end vendors in my market have. Um, mm -hmm. I think using something like Zoom or using. Uh, you know, Google Hangouts is a great idea. Um, in terms of actually showing them portfolio work, we do provide video footage um, and, you know, we're pretty um, deliberate about getting footage at events. Um, I don't do it myself, but I usually hire a videographer for at least a couple of events a year that we think are going to turn out really nicely. And, you know, we showcase those. Nice. Good, good. And having a professional capturing video or pictures is so much better than my little cell phone in the corner kind of a thing. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, we've done that. Been there, done that. Time to move on to better quality stuff. Yeah, the sure. homemade ones will work against you. So I, I think if you don't have anything, at least take the three good professional shots you have versus the 10 <laughs> mediocre shots. Yeah, precisely. They will, yes, definitely work against you there. <laughs> Umang, thank you much for being on tonight and your information and uh, have yourself a good evening gang we'll be back in about a half no no actually convention series is up already you guys can go to facebook.com slash john young mn the convention series video for tonight is there it's open for everyone to watch and then we'll be back in an hour and a half with our shaney's got five on it tonight thanks for watching gang. bye bye <laughs>